Just a couple weeks ago, uh, we celebrated a momentous occasion. It's incredible that for one day out of the year, uh, the whole world recognizes that Easter is more than just uh, bunnies and, and Easter egg hunts, but that it represents the resurrection of a man named Jesus, whether they believe it or not. We celebrated that a couple of weeks ago. And um, the big idea behind Easter is that Jesus rose from the grave. The big idea behind Easter is that Jesus is alive. And I think for me, when I think about Jesus, it is the greatest comeback of all time. Uh, it was such a phenomenal comeback. How many of you guys love comebacks? I absolutely am enthralled with comebacks. I love a comeback in a movie. I love comebacks in, in sports, unless you're a Golden State Warriors fan, and, and you, you were up 3-1, and, and then, yeah. So let's not talk basketball right now. Um, we all love, love comebacks. And Jesus' comeback was, was phenomenal. It says in Mark 16, verse 5 and 6, that when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, an angel sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. And when I think about the resurrection story, if, if there just would happen to be Snapchat or Instagram in that moment, I'm imagining that these women and all of Jesus' followers and maybe the headlines, at least the Christian ones that were, that, that may have existed back then, would have been that Jesus died at three, but Jesus rose in three. He may have died at 3 p.m. on Friday, but he rose in three days. And so the, the thing that I'm here to express, to articulate, to get across to everybody in this room is that Jesus is alive, whether you believe that or not. And I respect your view and I respect your opinion, but I have to tell you something here today that for me, Jesus Christ is alive because you may be able to argue with my theology, but you cannot argue with my testimony. I know what Jesus has done and I want him to do the same for you. I'm not here to be like, hey, it's, it's me against you or, or it's us against them. It's that the Bible says that Jesus died for the whole world, for God so loved the world, that for God so loved New York City, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever, I wonder how many whoever's are in the room, whoever would believe in him would not die, but have everlasting life. Jesus is alive. Revelation 1.18, Jesus himself speaks. He says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever, and I hold the keys to death, and I hold the keys to the grave. Jesus is inviting all of us to know him as more than a mere historical figure. He's calling us to know him personally. And let me tell you how amazing Jesus' comeback was. So, you know, if you win a championship in, in the NBA, in the NFL, in whatever sport, guess what? A few months later, you got to come back to see if you're going to repeat. But Jesus's victory was so amazing that he finalized it and he shut down everything and the game was changed and he said, it is finished. It's over. There is no other season. It's done. It is finished. It's more than knowing a historical figure. He wants to establish that in my life and in your life, that on the cross, it was done. It was all said and it was done. It is 
finished. The other thing other than Jesus being alive is that those who believe are also alive. Jesus is alive, and because Jesus is alive, I am alive. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. How many of us today were dead and sin was running rampant in our lives and sin was killing us. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, he says, it was finished for me, but it's also finished for you. You are a new creation. Everything that is past has gone away and everything new has come. And then ultimately, Jesus is alive, I am alive, but in Christ, the future is alive. There are no dead ends with Jesus. There are no periods when it comes to Jesus. It's a comma after a comma, and it's a never-ending story. It's a chapter after chapter after chapter. You may be in this place, and you came looking for hope, or somebody invited you into this house tonight, and I'm here to tell you that you may feel like you're at the end of yourself, but Jesus is good at taking a pencil called the blood, and he erases the period, and he puts a comma, and he says, I'm not done with you yet. I have a plan for your life. The future is alive. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Today, I can celebrate life. I can celebrate Jesus's life. I can celebrate the fact that I am alive in Jesus, but I can celebrate the fact that the future is alive. Why is the future alive? Because at one time, the, my future was dead. Mom and dad met at San Diego State University, and it didn't start off so well. She didn't know that she was getting into a relationship with a man who had been an alcoholic from the time that he was 13 years old. And he was a charming type of guy. And my mom was just trying to get her education, and dad was just looking for a party. And uh, at that time, San Diego State was known as the number one party school, party college in America. And um, this was in the 70s, so maybe that'll give you some context as to what was going on. And um, they began to uh, develop this friendship, develop this relationship. Eventually, they got married, and uh, dad had this vice in his life that had him bound. Lo and behold, I came along and mom just could not take it anymore. Uh, dad loved his lifestyle more than he loved his family. Dad loved uh, drinking and being drunk more than he loved his family. And, and it was so bad, it was, there was a certain stage or season in his life where he was drinking two six-packs a day of beer and just, just getting drunk, 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 try, trying to fill a void that only Jesus could fill. But he was also a very hardened man. He was a man who, if anyone were to bring the gospel to him, he'd, he'd just, he'd just kind of laugh it off or would want nothing to do with Jesus. So mom and dad eventually separated. And my mother and I lived in a city called Fresno, which is central California. And dad was in 
I'm sorry, dad went to Fresno and my mom and I stayed in Calexico. Yeah, that, that funny city on the border of California and Mexico. And during that time, mom got real depressed. She's, uh, she's uh, taking pills. She's hurting. She's trying to go through nursing school and trying to raise me. We're living with my grandmother. Uh, mom says I lost a lot of weight during that time. I, I was feeling her depression and the darkness that was taking over. And there was no future. Didn't know where we were headed. Didn't know where we were going. Dad, every now and then, would say he would come and visit and you know, he'd say he'd come on one day and end up coming days later, and that would just break my heart. But what would break my heart even more was the fact that every now and then we had to take dad back to the bus station for him to go back where he lived. And to this day, I, even though I was a little boy, I can still remember that feeling of separation. I think it would have been almost better if he wouldn't have come at all. He'd come, and he would... Um, Spend a couple days and everything would feel normal. And then there we go. And I remember being in the back seat and we would drop him off at this bus station. And as we're driving away, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm, I'm pulling out my hair. I'm, I'm, I'm just a total, total mess. Total mess. And I'm seeing dad walk away again and again and again. And again, we finally got to a place where we realized that this wasn't going to work out, but dad would call now every now and then. And dad calls and he said, can I speak to my son? I said, uh, mom said, yeah, sure. Mom would bring me over. And back in those days, we used to have those phones that used to be connected to the wall. You remember that way back <laughs> Remember, remember when we had to do this? <laughs> and you had, that, you had that cable that was like, like from here, you want to go talk outside? Like the door stayed a little bit open. You guys know about that? So dad wants to talk to you. I said, okay, I came up to the phone. Dad hadn't, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Yet he was a mess. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But his heart was like stone. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And it seemed like the future was dead. It seemed like I was going to live a life with, with my grandma and my mom. Nothing wrong with that. But all I had known was my dad, and I loved my dad. During that time, someone invited grandma to church. Grandma didn't know Jesus. So she goes to church. She starts going to church, goes to church. And she gave her life to Christ. And grandma came home with light and life. Thank God for that. What that tells me is that no matter how old you are here today, it's never too late. And not only is it never too late, you have no idea the potential that you have in order to create a ripple effect that will transform destinies and futures and generations. Are there any praying grandmas in the room? Yeah, there are. And grandma sees my mom and sees the state that she's in and introduces mom to Jesus. 
And mom says, okay, Jesus, come to my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I can't take this anymore. I got to move forward. I'm done. I'm tired of depression. I'm tired of pain. I'm tired of waiting on something that may never, ever happen. I'm ready to move forward. I'm not looking back. So mom meets Jesus and Mom starts taking me to church, and then she introduces me to Jesus. And, and I remember those were some sweet times because it was just me and mom. That's it, me and mom hanging out all the time, taking me to church, taking me to church. I remember being that kid who just felt weirded out going into a Sunday school class. Like, who are all these weird kids? I was probably the weird one. And I remember mom, she would sing me to sleep at night. Because I still wanted to see my dad, but... We had found hope, and mom is smiling again. Sorry. But she would begin to sing at night, and she would begin to sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And she would begin to sing other songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No going back, no going back, no going back. All things had passed and everything was new and mom was running towards Jesus with all of her heart and there I was just trying to hold on for dear life. And she would sing these songs and help me go to sleep at night. And I'm gonna tell you something, my mom cannot sing worth a bit. She couldn't hold a note. My mom couldn't hold a note if her life depended on it. But God used it. God will use anything. God will use anybody. God will use anybody. So one day, like I was saying earlier, dad calls and says, I want to speak to my son. And and mom's been falling in love with Jesus. She's like, okay. Go ahead and talk to him. And Hello? Hi, mijo. Mijo's like son in in Mexican. (laughs) Hey, son, how are you? And uh, like, good, dad. How are you? I'm probably only three years old at the time. Believe me, I can remember. And uh, he goes, he goes, are are you good? I said, yeah. Then he said, "Um, how's your grandma? How's your mom? I said, they're good. And all I got in my heart was to ask him one question. I said, Dad, when can I go to your house? Nothing had worked. Nothing had broken him. Nothing had deterred him or shifted him from the state that he had been living in. The vice, the the licentiousness had such a grip on his life that nothing seemed to break through. But at that moment, when I said, Dad, when can I go to your house? He'll tell you today that at that moment, it was like a knife pierced his heart. And he said, it was at that moment when I realized that my son differentiated between his house and my house and that we were a family torn asunder. And I'm three years old and I have no idea what I'm doing. 
But God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly why he puts things on our mouths to say to people. God knows exactly why somebody invited you to church here tonight on a cold April evening. God knows why you're sitting here today. And dad confesses that after he got off the phone, this hard man who was a brawler, a drunk, a hearted man looking for his next fight and his next beer, he fell in his apartment in Fresno, California, and he's laid in the fetal position and he cried like a baby for 30 minutes. And so he called my mother and he said, Alicia, I want to make this work. And my mom had already been praying and she had felt like the Lord was indicating to her when he calls and when he's ready, you go wherever he wants to go. She had had confirmation in her heart through prayer. In fact, when my mother was praying for him, she said that the pastor told her, you need to stop praying for a husband and you just need to start praying for a soul. Just start praying for somebody that needs Jesus. So she said, I'll go wherever you want to go. In the middle of California, there's a city called Delano. And Delano is a small agricultural town today of about 65,000 people. But in Delano is where my father's best friends, drinking buddies, and cousins reside. And when my mother said, I'll go wherever you want to go, she was willing to go anywhere except Delano, California. <laughs> so she went. We went. And we moved into our apartment. And even though dad wanted to make the change, we got all back together, but a lot stayed the same. And mom and I, now serving Jesus, away from grandma, away from the church that we were being fed at and cared for, are now in Delano, California, isolated, and we felt like prisoners in our own home. Because so often, dad, on the other side of the wall, was getting high and getting drunk and, and, and throwing parties, and me and mom are over here singing our little Jesus songs in the master bedroom. So one night, my mom just couldn't take it anymore. One night, my mom just could not take it one more bit. And, and, and I remember her holding my hand, and the only light that was in the room was the light of, of the full moon that night coming through the mini blinds. And she began to cry out to God, and she said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I don't know how much more of this I can handle. You need to break through. And we both went to sleep with tears in our eyes that night, asking God for a miracle in desperation. But little did we know that even though we went to sleep with tears in our eyes, God was doing something on the other side. Somebody was so lit, they decided to go turn a television screen on and one of those crazy TV evangelists just happened to be on. Dad's leaning by the, 
you know, there's like that little bar near the kitchen, and he's like this with his beer and his buddies, and the room's full of smoke. And, and, and they decide to turn a, a, the TV preacher on, and the TV preacher points at the screen, and he goes, yeah, you right there with the beer in your hand. Don't you know that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? But it wasn't what the preacher said. That just got his attention. What happened was it was like heaven opened and there was an impression in my father's soul and he heard the voice of God break through and say, that's enough, I will use you. And it was at that point where everything changed. He looked at the beer in his hand. He looked at the beer and he goes, I, I don't want this anymore. He goes, to, he goes over to the sink and he throws it, he, throws, he empties the beer out and he says, boys, the party is over. The party is over. And the man who had been an alcoholic from the time that he was 13, in one instance, was freed from alcoholism. In one instance, gave his life to Christ. In one instance, was called to be a preacher of the gospel. And in one instance, the future was alive again. I'm alive because Jesus is alive. I'm standing here today because Jesus is alive. Where would I be? Where, where would I be without Jesus? Because I believe in Jesus. His resurrection happened in the past, but the resurrection is my present reality. But the resurrection depicts my future. Because I believe in Jesus, the cross reminds me that the worst is behind me. The grave reminds me that death is now dead and the empty tomb reminds me that the best is yet to come. Because I believe in Jesus, I was resurrected from death to life. I am currently being resurrected in my way of thinking and I will be resurrected for all of eternity. I'm gonna ask you to stand here today if the band would come. And I want to give anybody here an opportunity, even if it's just one, to say yes to Jesus on April 15th, 2018. Jesus is God's son. He died on that cross and he rose on the third day. And all of your sins can be forgiven. It's so much to embrace, but it's such a simple gospel. And from here, it's just a process. It's a journey. It's a friendship with Jesus. From here, it's change and it's growth. From here, it's learning what God created you for. From here, it's a life that helps lead others to the same life that you'll find today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Whoever that might be, or maybe you're in a situation where, where you're in a, in a state of hopelessness, I want to tell you that there's hope in Jesus. I want to congratulate you for coming and saying yes to life, yes to the future, yes 
to a new beginning. You know what I love about Jesus, guys? That Jesus doesn't give us a second chance. Jesus gives us a new beginning. You know what a second chance is? Is that I get to retake the test. But when you come to Jesus, it's like the first test that you failed never even existed. It's just a brand new beginning. The record is made clean. There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The only thing you need today, the only thing you need today is one thing. All you need is need itself. You just got a need. Lord, I need you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor. God, I need you. I'm poor. I need you. I may have everything that I want, but I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. I'm going to lead you through a brief prayer. And I want everybody to close their eyes with me. And I want you to repeat this very simple prayer with me as you come to Christ tonight. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so that I would not have to go there. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and the relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name,